0: and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, good friend of the program, Dieter Kurtenbach, is back. He has made his uh, sojourn back to the Bay Area from Seattle. And we're going to talk about some of the teams I feel like we haven't talked about much this season. Uh, Milwaukee, particularly, is probably the best team in the NBA right now. And we haven't really discussed them enough, I don't think. We're going to then talk about Orlando because Orlando is randomly really fun. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy them a lot. Then we're going to move into Boston, who we continue to talk about. It's our weekly Boston bit, basically, (laughs) because they're just the most fascinating team in the league to me. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the teams in the Western Conference and basically how the entire Western Conference 1 through 14 is within... What is it like two games probably? Four games. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, the fourteenth best team in the con in the conference is like five games back of first place.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and then we're gonna do the things we like, obviously, which has become a nice little fun way to finish this <laughs> whole thing out. So Dieter, how yeah. was how's Thanksgiving? How were Thanks- things up in the Seattle area?
1: Yeah, Thanksgiving with uh, my girlfriend's family, always interesting. I think most can relate to uh being the fish out of water in those situations, but good time. Uh, The entire time I was there, I was fending off a cold that was just going around, right? Uh, Everyone got it for a couple of days. Everyone was miserable. I am zinking, I'm Purelling, I'm I'm up on it. Second to last day we're there, I have to hang out with my girlfriend's brother's brand new baby and I swear to God, that baby gave me the cold and I am so angry at that baby.
0: That baby gave you the itis?
1: Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. And so now I'm just like it's it's the typical stuff. It's not bad, but like I can't like I shouldn't leave the house. Like I I shouldn't go out and (laughs) interact with people. So all of my calls today will be from this chair. Sometimes FaceTime, whatever. Just like you know, it's it's don't get sick, never get sick.
0: It's a fucking baby, man. That's what it's all about. I blame. She she was cute, but she. uh... Uh, let's talk about the Bucks. The Bucks are the best team in the NBA right now. They have the top net rating at right around 10.5. They have a 115.6 offensive rating, which yeah. is obviously just ridiculous. <laughs> and they're also a top six team in the NBA defensively. Basically, every single thing that the Bucks have done this year and every adjustment that Mike Budenholzer has made uh, over his predecessors, Joe Prunty and Jason Kidd, has worked. I mean, this yeah. might sound crazy to everyone, but... Apparently, it's not hard to make an elite offense around Giannis.
1: Well, we've seen certainly, I mean, I don't know if there's a a talent equivalent to Giannis in the NBA. He, He seems extremely singular. But um, I don't know, Like it, it, it looked pretty disjointed for a long period of time. This year, I, I thought it would take a little bit longer. I think that we we talked about that in the preseason. I thought it would take a little bit longer for Bud's system to click. That I knew it would because it's Bud and he's a great coach and that these Bucks have a lot of talent and this, these were the right pieces. But the fact that it's clicked so early and that it looks so sustainable is honestly a little bit surprising to me um i don't see any reason to fade the bucks like i I can't i'm looking for it i'm looking these numbers that they're putting up are outrageous um but i I just don't know maybe maybe if they don't shoot the three all that well but they put up a lot of them so i don't know i don't know why you can fade them
0: so yeah i think that i was with you i did not expect it to be a literal game one you know the regular season the bucks were firing on all cylinders because they were and now they're 14 and six and they look unbelievable and this is just where we're at right we're at a point where milwaukee should be considered one of the three best teams in the east probably so the biggest point of that i think is the ball movement heavy offense as well as the shot distribution right uh you know they've taken the fewest non-restricted area paint shots in the NBA per game. They've taken the second fewest mid-range shots per game, and they take the second most above the break threes per game. So you're talking about a situation where their shot distribution is exactly what you're looking for uh, from an NBA in the modern age. And it's just become such a devastating attack because – you have to guard basically everyone on the floor at all times. Like I was a little bit curious about signing both Urson Ilyasova and Brooke Lopez, but both of those guys, having both of them on the offensive side of the floor, they can attack the offensive glass, which surprisingly, you know, Mike Budenholzer teams in Atlanta, they just totally decided to never attack the offensive glass. Milwaukee is like a league average offensive rebounding rate because they trust broken. They trust Urson to go and just, you know, if you're in there, go for it. Don't necessarily sell out to right. go and, you know, get back in transition defense, be responsible about the way you do it. But it's just a really, really impressive uh, amount of you know growth that we've seen uh, from a shot distribution perspective, from a coaching perspective, from just the way that they operate all around the floor.
1: Absolutely. I mean, one of the main reasons that they are so successful is that they have the secret formula for success in the modern NBA, which is length. And they they're always in passing lanes, even if they're not necessarily in the best position. Uh, they can get offensive rebounds because they just have huge dudes. And when you have big, long guys who can also do skillful things it's game over
0: yeah i mean that's basically 100 right uh i will say that there is one number that like slightly worries me a little bit that i think is an outlier uh, okay. so right now the bucks are shooting 70.3 percent at the basket this season yeah no team has ever shot 70 percent uh in at least the last like 25 years Do you in- know what the record is It's 68.5 last season by Cleveland. These numbers at the rim are obviously rising. They're getting better, and teams are getting more efficient at the basket. But I do think that 70.3 is probably a bit high, even if they do have such a great offensive attack that leads to open shots at the basket, as well as having Giannis, who finishes so well at the basket.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. I, I can't fade it because you see what they do. They have spot up shooters. I mean, this is in, in many ways, we give a lot of credit to Bud, but like this is a classic and dish offense. And when you're doing that with Giannis, who is unguardable at his best. Yeah. They're getting up almost, you know, they're getting up as many three-pointers as the Rockets. So, you know, as much as, we, like, oh, we want to fade James Harden, we want to fade uh, Chris Paul. Like, that's their offense. They're built around that. Bud's offense is obviously built around the same principle, baseline principle of we're going to get to the basket. And if they collapse, we dish it out. And then we can also do a bunch of really cool shit on top of that, which makes them even more dangerous. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that those three-point numbers are going to stay up. I don't think that you can oversell in any way. And that's just going to open up the lane even more. I mean yeah. there is a give and take on defense, right? Okay, so we're going to we're going to collapse everything. Well, now they're going to keep shooting threes. And maybe they don't make them at a great percentage, but like they're a 35% shooting three-point team, not good, not terrible. Um maybe that comes like, down.
0: Th- that's the thing though. Like I I don't think that that is out of whack. Like they have no, no, Chris no, no, Middleton no. who's an elite three-point shooter. I think Tony Snell is a good three-point shooter. He's making 42%. Like, that might be a percentage or two high. It's not going to yeah. be crazy. Um, Eric Bledsoe, 35%. That's right in line. Malcolm Brogdon, 43%. You know, maybe a percentage maybe a or two high, too high. But, like, Urson Ilyasova is shooting 36%, and that's probably low given the number of open shots that he gets. So For sure. it's it's a give and take. I mean, I I believe that the three-point shooting is just going to stick the rest of the year. I I just don't know if any team is capable of shooting 70% at the basket.
1: I I think that they are, um, because it's not just Giannis that's doing this. It's whoever has the ball in their hands is getting to the basket. And you add in the fact that around the league, we're seeing teams just give up the hoop. I mean, it's crazy. This is something that's been happening, I would say, since halfway through last season. Teams are selling out to stop the three and letting guys get baskets at, they're getting hoops at the basket when they played the Warriors here in, in Oakland they got 84 points in the paint the Warriors were selling out to prevent the three and basically saying if you can make 70% at the rim, like we're gonna we're gonna let you do it. We don't think that you can beat your true shooting percentage or your effective field goal percentage at the rim. Um there are not a lot of great rim protectors in the NBA. Uh those great rim protectors, I, I don't know if they're even that useful against a guy like Giannis in particular. And his passing has gotten so much better, and I think it still has eons to go. Um I just I Everything about this seems extremely sustainable. I'm repeating myself, but like, where's it going to fall apart? I think, in fact, they could probably even get a little bit better. I, I would argue that they should be getting more fouls called against them, that they should be going yeah. to the line more. And where they're at now, I mean, you look at it, they're they're shooting 22, 23 free throws. That's pretty darn good. Don't get me wrong. And they're a 76% free throw shooting team. But like second half of the year, as the season slogs on and defenses get a little more tired, And maybe they're keying in a little bit more on things. I I wouldn't be shocked to see Giannis start getting to the line six, seven, eight times per game um, because that's that's how an offense is built. They haven't played a lot difficult. They haven't played a lot of home games, not a lot of road. That is the one thing that you can look at and go, "Eh, who knows? Uh, They are a little flaky at times. Young, you know, youngish team, new coach. To be expected. But the peripherals here, the numbers, it's its really hard to not think that they're the favorites in the East.
0: Well, here, here is a, you know, you, you bring up the way NBA teams are defending right now. And I think that it kind of feeds into what Milwaukee is doing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee is allowing the lowest percentage of the basket defensively of any team in the NBA, it's like at 57%. I don't really think that's sustainable for them. I think they're probably going to be higher by the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. But what they do do really well, and what I think is more important than the 57% number, is that... They allow fewer shots at the basket than any other team in the NBA. Uh, they sell out to reduce penetration. And part of it is their unbelievable length, right? You have right. a guy like Giannis who has all sorts of length. Chris Middleton's a really good defender. They're Eric all, Bledsoe. They're all just
1: stupid long. I mean, even Bledsoe right. has a little bit more length than you would expect. But, like, he's the one outlier on the team. You're dealing with Snell. You're dealing with Henson. Like, it's crazy how long these guys are.
0: Right. Like, Bledsoe is super long for his size. But, like, Eric Bledsoe not, like, a great defender. Like, we can... No. You can call that out. He's struggled oh, with sure. screens and it's fine. But Malcolm Brogdon's a really good defender and John Henson has been useful for them when he's been on the floor this year. It, there are just so many different guys that they have that like just end up doing exactly what made Milwaukee such a successful defense under Sean Sweeney a few years back. Yep. Uh, just reducing penetration and switching and doing so many different things that I kind of buy them being near the bottom of attempts at the basket per mm-hmm. game. I don't know if like I said like I don't think that teams are going to keep shooting 57% there because I think that that's just kind of low and right. for any team especially a team that you know, Henson's a good rim protector, not a great one. Giannis is an unbelievable weak side rim protector, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a primary one. Brook I think has always been a little bit underrated there too, but like they don't have the elite guy. You know what I mean? They don't have right. the one guy like Rudy Gobert. Blink capella christops like they don't have that guy who's gonna just single-handedly hold down the paint but they do a good job of contesting at the basket
1: and to be fair in the eastern conference there's not a lot of guys who outside of the obvious are are going to dominate at the rim um i would i would be fascinated to see a matchup between them and the sixers but um they have a 10.5 net rating right that's a 105 defensive rating which is solid not outstanding that yeah, it's like it's
0: sixth in the NBA it's good yeah, it's, it's not like yeah, amazing what a,
1: yeah. what a what a what a weird time to be alive that that's sixth in the NBA but uh <laughs> that that is going to tick up right like i would venture to say it's closer to 110 than it is to 105 when the season is over but again there's no reason Maybe. To, i don't know i mean what do you what do you, do you think that there's that much in there i think it gets to like 107 1075
0: so like yeah like league average is pro is 108 i believe right now um yeah it looks about right I would bet that they're not, that they're better than league average uh, at the very least. So like, yeah, maybe, maybe one of seven, maybe something like, you might be right there. Yeah. You
1: you think about, you know, like the Raptors are at one Oh six right now. The Mavs are at one Oh seven. They're better than, you know, Sixers are at one Oh eight. They are a rock solid defensive team. I don't know if they're a spectacular defensive team on par with Oklahoma, City or Boston, who are who are right there and they are Utah
0: if they figure things out. <laughs> yeah,
1: Memphis when they're playing right. Um yeah. I don't I don't think that that's their class, but they're certainly in that second second tier. And the offensive number, I just don't think it's going to fall off from 115 too much. I mean, it's not getting below no. 110. It, they're going to have this is going to be a team with a 7 8 9 net rating at the end of the year, and that is likely going to be an elite number. I mean, I it should be. It, it is an elite number. Wasn't. Like it yeah. just is.
0: Um I don't, what, I don't Think
1: anyone's going to have a better one? Maybe, maybe Toronto, maybe Golden State. I, I just don't see anybody else competing yeah. with that number. And that, that number at the end of a season is a goddamn good indicator of success.
0: So I want to talk about Eric Bledsoe really quickly. I actually yeah. think he's been critically important to what they do. Uh, the fact that he's been able to adjust his game in such a substantial way to instead of kind of dominating the ball a little bit as he did in Phoenix, and he struggled with that a little bit, I thought, in the first half year in Milwaukee as well. He's bought totally into this scheme, and he's been, uh, you know, Mike Budenholzer has experience with point cards like this. He coached Dennis Schroeder down in Atlanta for a while. He's figured out that, you know, Eric Bledsoe's a better version of Schroeder, first and foremost, but uh, second, he's figured out kind of how to get the best out of Eric Bledsoe, and I think that's really important. Bledsoe is shooting five threes a game at 35%. I don't think that's really all that far out of the whack because he has so much space to operate because of the shooters around him. Uh, he's shooting, I believe it's 50.4% overall this season. He, he's just been a very, very good player for them in a way that I thought he was their biggest question mark coming into the year, and he's proven that to be i don't want to say inaccurate because it was a question it wasn't is he bad but he's kind of answered that question in a pretty real way
1: i just i'm i'm consistently amazed by their depth and how much it fits into the system that they can just roll seven eight nine guys and it all looks more or less the same Um, yeah there's not there's not a schematic difference there's not a thematic difference
0: i mean john henson is shooting threes
1: (laughs) i mean you think about think about like a guy like matthew della vadova who is just a non-factor on this team he's arguably the team's worst player um that's pretty damn good there's a lot of teams that would kill to have a matthew della vedova as a backup point guard even though he can't really do much anymore um henson's great uh, brogdon's been fantastic i mean pat conaton and, and white dante have been so good for these guys
0: how about maybe... pat Connaughton? like we, we can talk about white dante yeah. i mean we we know yeah. we know how good white dante is but like pat connaughton has been awesome he's been super athletic he's knocked down threes for them and honestly like he's shooting 34 percent from three that number should probably tick up at some point because he's a better shooter than that so like you
1: just think you think about the kind of like bowling ball that he can be like there's yeah
0: second
1: second units don't know how to handle a dude with that much athleticism that also has that kind of refined that's the real difference second units are usually a guy who's just stupid athletic or a guy who's super refined and doesn't have the ability to get off from anywhere on the court that content has both i mean he's a really really good player That is an afterthought on this team because they have so many really, really good players.
0: Well, Um, the crazy thing is that I don't really think of Pat Connaughton as like a total afterthought. But the guy that is an afterthought is Sterling Brown. Who was super useful as a rookie last season? Like he was really, really valuable. Cole Zwicker, uh, former friend of the program, still friend of the program, but (laughs) he's he's still a
1: friend. But
0: yeah, Cole Cole has to do his own thing right now. Um, Cole talked about Sterling Brown for hours on this podcast last year, and now like Pat Connaughton is kind of taking Sterling Sterling Brown's job. It's crazy. Like there are so many teams out there that kill to have Sterling Brown. Right. And he can't barely get minutes on this team.
1: Think about what this team could be in the playoffs when they already are really good at the five and they can run Giannis at the five as a 5 1. As um, weird as that sounds, I mean, they, they have a lot of options center, particularly as the league seems to just want to go smaller and smaller. We know in the playoffs, is going to get even smaller than that but like thon maker's been an afterthought on this team and and i would argue for good reason he's getting 11 minutes per game um if if it finally clicks for that guy and i don't know if it ever but if it finally clicks for that guy what just a strange and peculiar and valuable offensive and defensive weapon to have to just bust out nape. i mean that's where this team is at that they can they're so deep that they can spend an entire season just building somebody up for the playoffs. well we've seen
0: them do that with thon the last two years like like, this this is. This, this
1: is. might be the time it clicks. This might be the time that it's like, okay, this now now it's happening. Like this guy's an impact player. You yeah. Go from Brook immediately to Thon and you don't have to just use him in short bursts. You can play him for an entire quarter or you know, eight minutes of a quarter, as opposed to two or three minutes of, of impact, JaVale McGee style. Um yeah. now you can actually get some real run out of him and he's he's a competent member of your team. But the fact that they don't need that this year, I mean you think about good teams year over year, usually they need young guys to step up. They don't need them to step up, so they can just figure out whatever role is good for them in April. As soon as they know the playoff matchup, lock it in.
0: Yeah, I mean, shout out to Malcolm Brogdon, averaging 15 points a game on 50, 43, 97 so far. Uh, that that's good. Uh, yeah,
1: that's, that seems that seems halfway
0: decent. Chris Middleton should be an All Star in my opinion. 19 points, really, really good two way play. Uh, And then there's Giannis. Giannis is, in my opinion, the MVP of the season so far. Um, I I get that some people are going to say LeBron. I get that some people uh, might try and argue for Kemba. You know what? I think that I actually saw something on ESPN where, like, Kevin Pelton said that LeBron is leading in all of his statistical stuff. And, um, you know, I actually saw someone else say that LeBron should win it as well. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to begrudge anyone saying LeBron is the best player in the NBA because he I is. Will. Will. But I'm like,
1: not he, I'm not saying he's not the best player in the NBA, but he's not the most valuable player in the NBA. There's a nice long right. list of people who actually will – give an impact on both sides of the ball, uh, as opposed to Mr. LeBron James, who I I know everyone wants to ride the Lakers' wave. And listen, I I think that they're probably going to be in the thick of things, just as I think everyone predicted. I don't think that means top four, but, like, the Lakers aren't good. Like, as long as we can all get on the same page and be like, yeah, there's some potential here, don't get me wrong, but, like, this is not a... Good basketball team. They're an entertaining as shit basketball team, but they're not
0: good. Yeah, no. I want to give the
1: MVP to a team that's not good.
0: Yeah, the first quarter MVP, I think, is 100% Giannis. Uh, he is just absolutely a monster. Every time he takes the floor, there's just no one who can defend him. In the NBA, he gets wherever he wants on the floor. He's averaging 27 points, 13 rebounds and six assists, blocking a half a a block and a half a game, a steal and a half a game. Like the only way
1: to make the case against him,
0: like everyone's like, oh, but he needs to shoot threes. No, he doesn't because he gets wherever he wants anyway. Like, it's the it's the Ben Simmons argument. Except Giannis is like 45 times better than Ben right now. He, he, <laughs> he is can just
1: knock down the shot if he has to take it. Yeah, he and
0: like he can, he can make it. mid-range shots too, for sure. Like Giannis oh, is yeah. a better shooter than Ben, but like he doesn't really need it. Like we talk about how Ben Simmons like kind of doesn't need a jumper to be effective, but it would really help if he got one because it would make him even more effective. Right. Giannis genuinely does not need a jumper. To be effective. He is just no, so I good. I don't know. He's just so good at getting anywhere he wants toward the basket because he's so long.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily true that he does it because he does have a little bit of one. And that creates yeah. the eminent threat that he can just do whatever he wants when you can go wherever you want and you can do what you have to have something in the quiver in order to keep the defense guessing. But the second, the guy crosses half court. I mean, let's talk about gravity. We talk all the time about Stephen Curry and what he does to opposing defenses, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's the second he crosses half court. It's like, well, shit, we have to guard Steph. not passively give him some space, whatever, where most guys, you can go right up to the line, three-point line, or some even inside of it. With Curry, it's as soon as he crosses half-court, he might shoot. And Giannis has that same thing, except it's really just that we have to trap him at half-court. Otherwise, he's going to get past us and dunk it. Because the second he gets across the three-point line, it's one step at the rim. It's not its not normal gravity. I don't know if we've seen anybody like that, because his acceleration is such. And the closest comparable I have to him is Russell Westbrook, except he's eight inches taller
0: how many inches taller he is yeah probably eight inches taller if we're assuming honest is like seven foot now which i think is reasonable yeah um yeah i'd say he's like eight inches taller with it's insane.
1: 7 seven something wingspan. Yeah. I mean, he's... you you we've seen what Westbrook can do when he's on. I mean, the motherfucker won an MVP and, and set, you know, a modern record for averaging a triple double in a game per game. Giannis is fully capable of doing that um as as evidenced. And man, I mean, there's so much refinement that's still left to be had. It's really flabbergast how good he could be. And his head's on which is probably the biggest impediment to most guys with this kind of preternatural talent ever. I mean, he's 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 by all accounts just the nicest, hardest working kid ever.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, we everyone loves Giannis because he is just like the greatest dude, apparently. So, yeah, um, I I think that's about all I've got on the box. Do you have anything else? Giannis for MVP. That's where we're at.
1: Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible to argue against it. Yeah, first quarter right.
0: MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. 20-something
1: 20, 20 games into the season, we usually have a pretty good idea of what teams are going to be. Now, obviously, it will, there will be some ebbs and flows and trades and all that stuff. But, like, if the Bucs are truly what they've shown in the first 20 games, and I think there's plenty of reason, as we've evidenced, hopefully, uh, to think that they are the real deal, that this is the real Bucks. that makes them not just a really good team that's going to be interesting come the playoffs. That that has to make them the favorite. I mean, it really does.
0: Yeah, I might be here for a Bucks is the favorite in the east um they've been a little bit better in the playoffs than what they've been in the regular season the last couple of years too so like you might be able to buy me or like make me buy that too um yeah i
1: i think i think that they're i mean as we've seen from from those excellent playoff performances i think that they're like they have better set up
0: (laughs) and like let's be real clear on this like mike budenholzer is Um, But, like, Mike Budenholzer has struggled in the playoffs a little bit, given where his teams were ranked. Mike Budenholzer is 97 times better than what Joe Prunty was last year.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think think you can actually put a number on it because you can't divide by zero.
0: Yeah, so, like, look, Mike Budenholzer is an incredible coach. He might be losing his hair, though, and he's one (laughs) of the 66 men, 66% of men, who I assume started to lose their hair by the age of 35. Maybe, I don't know. I didn't see Mike when he was younger. But the thing is that when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Uh, It's easier to keep the hair you've got than to replace the hair you've lost. If that hairline starts to slowly creep backward over the next year, are you going to regret not doing something about it now? Or do you want to take action and- get out ahead of time and make sure that you're able to take care of your hair care needs. I have a solution for you. It's for It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare and sexual wellness for men. Uh, It's a really, really great product. Uh, These uh, this website uses, real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss these are well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair uh, there's no waiting room no awkward doctor visits uh, you save hours by going to fourhims.com there's no waiting room uh, it's it, it That's the best part of it. You don't have to spend hours of your day dealing with this stuff. And we don't have enough time in the day to spend trying to try and make ourselves look better than what we already are. If you order now, I can give you an offer. My listeners are gonna get a trial month of hymns for just $5 right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4hims.com slash game theory. That's G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash game theory. 4hims.com slash game theory. You'll get that trial month of hymns for just $5. Let's move on. Do you want to go to? Orlando, or Boston next?
1: Let's talk about these Magic, because they're fun, and I think we're going to need to be up before we come back down.
0: Yeah, the Magic are just like a bizarrely enjoyable team. They're sitting at 10 and 11 right now. Um, They're eighth in the Eastern Conference. They look like, I'd say they're probably not going to end up in the playoffs, but like they look about as competitive as any other team chasing the eighth spot in the east so like yeah. you got to see them up close whenever they played golden state earlier this week so yeah. what did you think just give me give me some thoughts on the match.
1: well they are uh really well coached um they i i did not see i, I did not see nick Vukovic making this much of a jump he is a force. I mean, this is the first time that I've ever felt like he impacts a game in a very serious meaningful way, but he's doing whatever the fuck he wants out there, which yeah. is really impressive. Um, I think Aaron Gordon has taken another step which is necessary for this team to get around 500. Uh, I was really impressed by his defense the other night. Now, this might just be a weird matchup thing, but he was kind of locking down Kevin Durant early on and the Warriors came back and won that game. They were down by I think 18. Because the Magic were just getting to the hoop whenever they wanted. Um, they were moving the ball with intent as opposed to just this empty ball movement that we see so frequently around the league. But as soon as Gordon went out with some lower back issues, which who knows what those are caused by. Uh, if you're guarding Kevin Durant, I imagine something's going to seize up. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as he goes out, Durant starts just going, okay, well, I'm just going to iso ball this here, ball this all to the finish. And it, it was more than enough. Um, they need a point guard. I, I listen, everyone likes DJ Augustine. Uh, DJ Augustine isn't gonna get them where they need to go. Uh, he He's is He's a, a totally player.
0: competent NBA player,
1: right. You, you you're fine with him in in the short term. You're happy with him in the long term if he doesn't have to play major minutes. But what what he's doing right now, 27 minutes per game, he's shooting you know 44 percent for the field. Just, I, I just I don't buy it long term. I'm a little bit concerned, to be honest with you, about um, Jonathan Simmons is a nice two way player. I don't think he's, they're getting it as much as they should be getting out of him uh it, it, just, just their
0: wings in general uh, yeah they're not really getting quite enough out of like Terrence frost has started the year pretty well uh, he's averaging 14 points be. and 43 percent like Yvonne fournier is averaging 15 a game, but he's shooting 29% from three. You would yeah. assume that's going to regress up, but like, I'm he's really been... concerned about
1: Isaac. I, I'm concerned about Isaac. He's a solid defensive player. Don't get me wrong. The potential is still there. I know he's young. I know he's a bit more naive than perhaps most, uh,
0: players who come into the league at his age, but like, uh, well, he's, I think he actually has really good feel defensively. I, th- I think he's like the best defensive prospect in the 2017 class still. Um, just his ability to guard up and down the lineup is really valuable i am worried about the offense though like he hasn't really shown much growth from year one to year two in my
1: he's not an aggressor and yeah i i I don't want to fault guys for not being aggressors but when you're drafted at a certain number there's an expectation right well here
0: here's the thing you can be a non-aggressor offensively it's fine but if you're going to do that you can be a non-aggressor and go. What did he go? I think sixth in the draft. You can yeah. be a non-aggressor, go sixth in the draft, provide all-defense team level defense, which you know I still think is very much a potential outcome for him, and okay. be a non-aggressor and live up to that draft position. The problem is that if you're going to be a non-aggressor, you have to be able to shoot in today's NBA. Yeah, he can't and, do it. And I mean, yeah, sh-
1: well, he made, he he'll make shots. They are some ass ugly looking shots. I mean, they are far away from his body. Um, it, it looks like a push shot. It's not good yeah it's i'm not, not a
0: huge fan of the jump shot i'll say that um 30 from three this year uh he's never really hit a ton of them at a high level at any level but here's the thing though if he does get the jump shot it's very easy to see how he immediately becomes like a very threatening offensive player because he's 6'10", 6'11". He can handle the ball. Like he can Mm -hmm. actually attack closeouts and go to the basket. It's just that nobody really respects the jump shot right now. And you have to have that respect. Yeah, they shouldn't, but you have to have that respect to make it all come together. And if he gets it, he's going to be really, really good. I think if he doesn't Mm -hmm. get it, I do have some real questions and I think that's where my overall, you know, curiosity about his offensive game lies.
1: I have I mean, the main takeaway that I had from watching these guys up close, and I had watched them a little bit on League Pass, because they're a really fun team to watch. They they just don't seem like they're built to be as good as they are. It, it always seems like a bit of a surprise whenever they play well. Um, even though at this point now you kind of have to just bank into it because they're again, really well coached, but um,
0: I, I don't know. Like they do have a negative 3.5 net rating. Like they, they probably should be a little bit worse than this, but again, like nobody else I, be, in the I, East is like fighting,
1: you know, totally. but like Vukovic has been so good and they have Mobamba. who their the flashes are spectacular <laughs> and he really doesn't get more of an opportunity than really flashing stuff. I mean, he plays about 17 minutes per game, but, but holy shit, I mean, this guy is something to behold. Um,
0: the, the flashes for Mo are incredible. Uh, he, he he looks like if he can get the jump shot down and becomes the rim dream. protector with a stronger center of gravity, he's going to be unbelievable, I think. Yeah. I will say this. <laughs> in his 357 minutes that he's played this year, when he's on the floor, Orlando is a negative 18.4 net rating. Sounds about right. <laughs> that, but like their offense falls off of a cliff when he is off the floor or when he's on the floor
1: listen i haven't done this and and perhaps i'm wholly wrong and i'm sure that if i am someone will let me know but it seems to me as if they use really weird lineups around mo that they don't have Mm -hmm. that they don't play anything close to a facsimile of a, a five out or even a four out um There's a lot of post ups for him, which listen, sometimes that works if you can get a good matchup on the low post. And I saw it a couple of times against the Warriors, but like that guy needs to be an outside inside threat as opposed to an inside outside threat that's sort of just coming out and popping. He's too, he's too athletic to sort of leave languishing down, down in the post. That's just not how the modern game is played. It's really difficult to imagine a circumstance where he plays, he can play with, with Nick or with Fuke. Um, And the Gordon thing is is a little tricky, too, because you think about Gordon. I mean, this is still a guy who, yes, he's getting better at it uh, and shooting four threes per game. But um, I I don't think there's any reason for defenses to really honor that jump shot or that three pointer yet that he hasn't become lethal. At that yet and um, while he Still of course has crazy athleticism and can get To the rim and can put the ball on the ground and get there um, He's just not as much Of a full half court threat as, as maybe the magic Need him to be so they they have a bit of a front Court logjam in, in my opinion and I yeah. guess that could be I guess that could be remedied this offseason with Nick Vukovic just not resigning But like he's been so good he's been their best Player uh, really and there's not that much Competition for that and they're playing well It's going to be really hard for them to not offer him a pretty damn fair contract
0: and I don't think there's any way he's back there I'll be honest really? I right. have no I have no idea no idea yeah so like he's played Vuce and have played like nine percent of Bamba's minutes together this year they've only okay. played 36 minutes together this year so like with Vucevic being such a critical part of what Orlando does offensively I understand why Bamba's why the effect on uh, why bomb's effect on Orlando's offense is so catastrophic in a pretty, way. pretty, it's,
1: pretty big contrast.
0: Yeah. It's not necessarily Mo. It's just that they're taking Vooch off. So I look at what Vooch is and I think that he can help a lot of NBA teams right now because you have to, if you're going to be like a no defense, all offense player, who's just super productive and averages 21, 11 in four or whatever he's averaging right now. Um, yeah. You have to be able to shoot threes. You have to be able to at least space the floor a little bit. Um, and you have to produce at such a high level that it makes up for your defense, right?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: This is the first time that he's really done that and it's coming in a contract year. And yep. I would imagine that as he gets older, it's gonna be harder for him to do that. Yep. I'd be surprised if he got like more than like four fifty or like four forty-five. But okay. there are dumb NBA teams out there. So like maybe he gets more um and this isn't to say that he's not an incredibly productive player he is the biggest reason why orlando has been so good this year him and aaron gordon so like i get it but to me it's a risky long-term contract more than it's like risky next year
1: yeah i I just i don't know how this because you look at this team right now and there's a lot of reasons to think oh i want to put in sort of a, a buy low even though the the stock is rising a little bit, this is still a good buy low option. It seems like they're building towards something. And this Vukovic thing could really fuck it up, For just being totally honest.
0: Yeah. And the reason and I, I say said... And I
1: don't know which way I don't know which way it would get fucked up. I don't know if, if they're gonna be fucked up by letting him go or if keeping him at the money that he's probably gonna command, which is certainly more than he would have before the season started, is gonna be the thing that sort of locks in this core and, 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 and stunts any possible, you know, gains that they could have gotten in the next couple of years
0: well the the reason i say that i don't think there's any way that they're going to resign him is that a uh he was not brought in by this front office Uh, Mm -hmm. he's brought in by the hennigan front office um B, this offense, this front office tends to value length and athleticism. You can tell by their draft picks recently. Uh, right. Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Melvin Frazier, Justin Jackson. Like th- yeah. this is what they do. And you can even go back to Jeff Weltman's time in Toronto. You can go back to John Hammond's time in Milwaukee and see this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three, I mean, they they did just draft these two, you know, awesome you know, potentially top five, top six picks in John Isaac and Mo Bamba. And you're not going to stunt their growth by signing Vucevic to a long-term deal, I don't think. So I I would be surprised if he's back. Uh, And that's not a statement on his play and how important he is to Orlando right now. I think it's just a statement of where Orlando's priorities are.
1: It's tricky, though, because you think about that market and how starved they are for, I don't know, competency. And the fact that they're right here on the threshold, we've seen, I mean, think about how many times we've seen this in all sports where you get, you know, just look up the road with like Jacksonville, the Jaguars, they get yeah. Blake Bortles one halfway decent year from Blake Bortles and they go, well, oh, Blake Bortles is our guy. Well, that's working out great. Um, you can get blinded by short-term success. I would hope that they maintain the long-term vision, which I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think it includes Nick Vukovic, but um team that hasn't made the playoffs in a whole lo- whole while, team that doesn't draw, team that could really use some excitement. If this guy keeps up his listen, super league pass basketball intellectual MVP campaign, um it's gonna it's gonna make it really hard because this is uh, you just have to have a backbone about you and I don't know if we can necessarily presume that that backbone exists in, in Orlando. It's gonna be a really tough really tough decision
0: here's a uh, weird random trade could you do um brandon knight and marquise chris in a first round pick for vucevic and like one of the borderline useful orlando wings Ooh, so basically the wings. send them send them to houston uh houston badly needs a backup center right now uh vucevic yeah. shoots threes he fits really well within their scheme mm-hmm. um Of not playing defense. (laughs) Of not playing defense. Um, I don't know. Like, you could send Jonathan Simmons, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if the money works out there. Just maybe Terrence Ross. Like, They kinda need Terrence Ross. I, I would much rather give up Simmons, though they do like his competency. He he does have a pretty he has a 104 defensive rating. He just can't do anything offensively, which has always been the rap on the guy. Um I don't know. I mean it's it's certainly a good idea. That's but that's the other point that I'm getting at. Like Vukovic hits the market. How many teams are like, oh thank God, a dollar store Nick Jokic? Like
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well it's hard to build around him as a starter, I think. Like you yeah. you really do have to, like, hunt to find the right fit. Um, I mean, Brooklyn's building around Jared Allen. The yeah, Knicks have Kristaps. Brooklyn, too smart, yeah. You know. Yeah, like, well, the Knicks Philly, are smart. Philly could use a backup center, and they obviously drafted Nick Vucevic back in the day. Um, You know, maybe, that, maybe Philly makes sense.
1: Want, is that where they want to spend their money?
0: I mean, they're going to have to sign a backup center eventually.
1: Yeah. But backup centers are shit. I mean, most of them are on league minimums. It seems. Yeah, like.
0: yeah, and like you can't play him with Joel. Um, no. Yeah, it's it's say hard. What,
1: say what you. I mean, listen, I am. Uh, I'm at the forefront of the Aaron Baines. I'm not. I don't understand it thing. But shit, if you can't play him with Horford, I mean, if, 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 there's pretty damn good value to a backup center that you can slide in with anybody. Um,
0: and you well, y- you know before. what? Like, that, it's that's funny. It's funny idea. that you mentioned. It's funny you mentioned Boston. Like Boston. Like if. If you want to say, "Hey, Aaron Baines, this is an upgrade on Aaron Baines," um, I don't know
1: if it is. I, I honestly don't. I mean, because yeah, yeah. like I mean, it's a little upgrade.
0: Definitely know. an upgrade, right? Like uh, is... sure,
1: offense sure, but there's there's some defensive things. I, I don't think Baines is all that good of a defender, if I'm being totally honest. But like
0: he's good. He's not great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, in the versatility, there is a big thing. Now that would get Marcus Morris. I mean, well, let's just segue right into it. That would get Marcus Morris. Some more minutes, which I think what we've seen over the last week or so might be the thing that they need. Um but that, shit, that's where we're at? Yeah, that's where that's that's the point we reached. But that was the point that I made before they started. Like that maybe, I don't know, having a guy who can knock down some shots and is willing to just be an aggressor is you know, and doesn't give a shit about the overall thought of the team is, is a good thing sometimes.
0: Well let's finish out on Orlando. Um the last guy I want to talk about is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon yeah. is continuing to kind of build upon what he was last year i would say on the defensive end particularly uh he's basically right in line with what his averages were offensively last year but defensively he does seem to have taken a step forward under steve clifford um he's the guy that like i don't know like if i was orlando i would be asking for a king's ransom for him in a trade but Mm -hmm. like I don't know what they do with all of him and Mo Bamba and John Isaac long term. Maybe you just like figure out, like battle royale style, which ones work out. But I mean, yeah. I, I really like Aaron Gordon, though. Like, that's mostly what I'm trying to say. Like, I think Aaron Gordon's the best of the bunch, uh, certainly right now, at least. And I, I don't really know where to go from here right now
1: with Aaron Gordon. I, I think with Bamba's age, you, you you buy yourself a little bit of time to figure it out. Um, They're playing Isaac at the three more than I would like, which is ever they shouldn't be playing Isaac at the three, even though he's capable of doing it. He needs to be a four. Um, if you're playing him as a three, you're shooting as shit. Uh, Gordon, Gordon has so many similarities in in some senses to like a Blake Griffin type where you're just not sure. he. This is the kind of tweener that the league has now decided to kind of not know what to do with. They didn't know what to do with the guys who were tweeners between threes and fours. Now they don't know what to do with the tweeners, guys who are kind of fours and fives, which is where we're at when a guy is shooting. Last year shot six three-pointers per game is still a, a tweener four and or between the four and the five i would i would keep using bomba and spurts let gordon get a lot more run if you get vukovic out of there and let him and isaac see if they can develop any chemistry at the four or five with gordon actually being able to knock down an outside shot and isaac not but having a bit more defensive prowess uh around the court, but it's tricky. I agree with you. I don't know what to, what to do with them. I don't even know really. I mean, certainly there would be teams interested in him. He's a nice two way player. I think his defense again is, is underrated for um, what he gets credit for. Even those uh, numbers aren't particularly great on that end.
0: Um, well, like here's what I'll say. Like, I think yeah. that there's been real growth this year in Aaron Gordon defensively, yeah. like last year uh, he had a rep is like, you know, the guy that Orlando matched up with LeBron James and all of these you know, Beasts and Giannis in the Eastern Conference, and he got roasted a little bit last year, like
1: as anyone would, well, right? Yeah, maybe, but like maybe a bit more than he should,
0: right? And like off ball, he struggled a little bit, but he's taken yeah. steps this year, I think, that have been really, really strong. Like Nate Duncan last year at the Athletic had him on like the overrated defensive team, not like that he's a bad okay. defender, but. That he's just like a little bit overrated. And I kind of agreed with that. This year I don't really think you could put him on that list.
1: Yeah, I think I think that he is what you expect from him on, on the defensive side. And in fact, that, you know, listen, it's a limited skill set, but I think that he's made a pretty damn good jump in, in mm-hmm. that area. Um, that he might even be on the other side, leaning towards the other side of that bell curve. Let's not forget too, he just turned twenty.
0: Yeah, and but the other thing is too, like he's the guy of the trio that wasn't brought in by this front office. So like Correct. how much Correct. is that weighed? I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see the way this all works out. Uh, Aaron Gordon's going to be a good NBA player for a long time, though. And I think Orlando would be making a mistake to get rid of him. I just wonder if eventually it's kind of going down that way.
1: It's really tricky because you put in the time to to get a guy to this point. And they really did have to put in the time and the effort, even though it's Orlando and there's kind of a general sense of chaos uh, at all times around there. But you get him to this point now, it'd be really hard, even if he's not this front offices guy to give up on him because of just it's this some some cost fallacy i suppose i don't know um he's he's a solid player they have a front court issue i don't know and this is the other thing too i mean you look at a team like the magic right now and you say to yourself okay what kind of trades can they make because they just seem just a bit off a little tweak here or there I don't know if you mess with anything. I say you just play it out and you see where well, you, you're at.
0: I think you try and get a point guard at some point in the next year, but that's what that's all, I think. I mean, what, what point Well, you, you need point there? guards and wings. You need point guards and wings.
1: I think that I that they should probably like the wings that they have. I don't think is going to remain this poor all year. He's a really solid player in my estimation. Um, you need a 3, but Yeah, here we are Uh, yes
0: like you need a you need a good defensive wing and you need a point guard like point guard wise there are going to be a few that come up over the course of the next year like Eric Bledsoe's a free agent right Um, you know I don't know if you want to pay Eric Bledsoe but like Darius Garland's going to be in the draft and John Morant is going to be in the draft maybe draft one in fact I would strongly recommend that Orlando draft one um but I don't what, know. About we'll kid, see.
1: what about the kid out of Duke Jones?
0: Yeah, Trey Jones. You know, he's a guy that I'm going to have like right around the top 20. So
1: he's, a, he's, a, he's just a nice solid player. I don't know if he comes in and tears anything up, but if you have a team that you feel is kind of right there, I, I don't feel rookie point guards always struggle, but I feel like he would have probably the lowest, you know, learning curve of anybody.
0: Well, how about this? We'll we'll be Orlando. We'll draft Trey Jones and we'll sign Tyus Jones as well. Why not? Why because not get a,
1: get a full Jones back?
0: Bring the Joneses together. That's what I'm here for. I think Ty's going to be stuck in Minnesota for a while. Um, uh, not stuck, but, like, it's his home, so it's not really stuck. But um, nonetheless, I think that he's probably going to be in Minnesota for a little while still. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the Celtics. The Celtics did beat New Orleans on Monday, so that's good. It was with Anthony Davis, so that's good. Uh, prior to that, they had lost four of five and had really been struggling in the same yep. way that uh, – they have been struggling throughout the course of the season, particularly uh, over that stretch of games. I would point out that the defense hasn't been as great as what we've seen from them recently. Uh, 115 defensive rating against Dallas, uh, 115 against the Knicks, 115 against Charlotte. Uh, you know, 109 against New Orleans, which you know, right around what New Orleans' is overall offensive rating is throughout the course of the season. They're They just don't really have an identity yet. Is That that is
1: an understatement of the goddamn decade. This is a team that doesn't know what to do with each other. I mean, they're all looking at each other. I mean, they're constantly flumming. And I liked, I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart guy, but I understand what Marcus Smart is. I'm not the biggest Marcus Morris guy, but I understand what he is too. And they put him in the starting.
0: Sacrilege. You are not a Marcus Smart guy.
1: It's what it is. Uh
0: Sacrilege.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Filibuster. But they put them both in the starting lineup, and what happened? Uh, A couple of headstrong guys actually pushed something into existence. They did something. They didn't all just stand around and wait for someone else to take control. Last time we talked, I said, Kyrie needs to initiate more. He needs to get a little more headstrong. He needs to just decide, this is my team. We're going to penetrate and dish. We're going to get simple. Um, They didn't really do that because Brad Stevens is probably never going to say, let's get simple. Um, But adding in the Marcus Mark, I uh, did create a a bit of a bowling ball effect. You just need some dudes who are going to just go in there and get theirs. And certainly smart will give you plenty on the defensive side in terms of just intensity. I don't even care if he's good at playing defense. You just need sometimes dudes who are just going
0: to be crazy out there.
1: That helps. Um, but it's well, really, here's what I'll say. Really Marcus Smart, that they don't know that they don't know what they are yet. Marcus
0: Smart is really good defensively, so that helps. Yes. yes. And second, he is unselfish offensively and happy to kind of defer a little bit, yes. which I also think is something that this team needs a little bit of. Like they they need someone okay. who is happy to make plays for others and happy to keep the ball moving on the perimeter while also being a really, really good high-level defensive player. Um, the fact a solid
1: that, offensive rebounder for his size.
0: Right. Like the fact that Marcus Smart has always been uh, positive on the floor for the Celtics, I don't really think that that is a coincidence. Like he, he's no. just kind of the perfect complementary player for today's NBA because he can guard one through four. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that he can't shoot, Is a positive offensive player because he keeps the ball moving and because he can like attack closeouts and handle the ball a little bit and do everything that you need a, you know, guard slash secondary ball handler to do. So I'm a big fan of them moving Marcus Smart into the starting lineup. I'll be really interested to see what they do whenever Jalen Brown comes back because is the move yeah. to just replace Marcus Smart in the starting lineup? Is it to bring Jalen off the bench with Gordon Hayward? Is it to replace Marcus Morris in the starting lineup? Who Marcus Morris has been honestly one of their most consistent offensive players this year, which is yeah, he's been good. crazy to say and yet accurate. Well,
1: he's, he's, the only, he's the only son of a bitch who will actually, if he gets the ball, just fire the ball. I mean, he's yeah. he always looking to get buckets. And, you know, as much as Tatum wants to get his this year, he's taking like seven dribbles every time. I mean, the, it, the flow is completely lost in so many different places. Marcus Morris, it's part of the flow. I mean.
0: And Marcus will chuck.
1: He'll chuck. Sometimes you just need a guy who will chuck, especially when everything is so stagnant or at its worst constipated, like just getting the ball to a guy who's just going to decide that, you know, it's rainmaking season is a positive thing. But again, what? how did we get to the point where Marcus Morris is the cure for whatever the hell, you know, illness they got going on. That's, that's not good. I mean, Jalen hasn't been great. I think Tatum is overdoing it. I think Kawhi is probably too far in his head. I'm sorry. Um,
0: let <laughs> Kyrie. Why?
1: Ky- Kyrie, sorry. Uh, I, got, I got New Balance on the mind. Um, <laughs> Kyrie is maybe too far in his head about what the point guard should be for the Celtics, right? Like the, the concept of point guard, if he should go out and get buckets, or if he should be the one who sort of makes it all click around. I don't think he necessarily even has the capability to do the latter. So just do the former. Do the thing that you're good at. But there's a lot of dudes who are trying to shoot themselves out of a funk and probably only, or or or, try, or they're trying to get themselves out of a funk and probably only exacerbating the overall team funk Well going on.
0: So here's the good news for the Celtics. Uh, Since they've moved Gordon Hayward to the bench, he has like a 10 net rating. So like lineups with Gordon Hayward are working right now. That is incredibly valuable for what the Celtics are trying to do. Uh, The fact that he can come off the bench and be effective is really important to his role, I think, on this team now. Um, yeah. so in yeah, terms of, balanced, of course, in terms yeah. of Kyrie, you know, you and I were very concerned about the way Kyrie started the year. He's been pretty good over oh, the yeah, last yeah. like three weeks, four weeks, I would say maybe, maybe three weeks. is The way to put it, I'd say basically since the, since the start of November, maybe, maybe the, what, what was the Detroit game? Yeah. He, he had like the uh, 30 point Detroit game. Yeah, I remember really Detroit that would have been, um, that was like two weeks ago. Two no, Fridays. no, no. Let me, let me look. It was uh Doesn't. November November th- or October thirtieth is the oh oh you're, yeah
1: thousand percent right my bad my bad
0: yeah no 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 but, like it's fine um he was really good a couple Fridays ago against uh who was I believe Charlotte he was really good maybe it was Utah it, it was he's some really, it was one of those
1: really, he's a really good player I wish that he would just be more really good all the time
0: <laughs> hashtag Kyrie is good <laughs> yeah um but yeah like Kyrie has been really good he started to figure some things out. Uh, get back into the swing of things a little bit. That's great. He's starting to really distribute the ball and pass it at a high level over yeah. their last six games or so, seven games or so. He's had yeah. four games over 10 assists in that stretch. Uh, he's been pretty good during this downturn, which I wonder if that is like something to note or if it's just like, uh, they'll figure it out. We're a quarter of the way through the season and... Well, they'll, they'll just get it together. Eventually, at some point, Kyrie and Marcus Smart are going to click together, or Kyrie and Jalen are going to click together, and you know Jason Tatum is going to be fine, and Al Horford's going to keep doing awesome things to help the flow of everyone on both ends. Yeah, I, I still am there. Like I'm still just like, okay, whatever. But we, we are getting further into the season with Boston having not figured it out, and that is notable in a lot of ways.
1: Well, these, these sons of bitches can't shoot right now, and that's an issue. <laughs> I mean, it's just straight up. They, they, they have – what are they shooting at? Uh, effective field goal percentage is around like 50. I mean, that's, that's – you have to be a completely locked down defense the way that Oklahoma City has been over the last couple weeks to get away with stuff like that. And frankly, I think the, the Celtics defense has slipped a little bit. I think that teams with the way that lineups are switching in and out have found some vulnerability they need to get their offense in order first and foremost the defense will be there at the end of the season they have too many good defensive players the system is too strong they'll be there they need to get their offense figured out and for the life of me every week i get more and more confused as to how they're going to do that i I don't know there's just
0: no flow there's no there's There's nothing that's exactly there say.
1: when was the last time you remember this team playing with flow and solid ball movement and it felt like they had a bit of rhythm and verve to them
0: and th- that, this was a team that you always felt that way about, like they for were, the last three years since Stevens is there. You, and I don't know if I want to say always. Like last year, there were times where you that didn't really sticky. feel that way. Yeah, it did get a little
1: bit Especially in the playoffs. But, um, man, I mean, this team was able to create something out of nothing in that department out of the half court. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that can do that. I mean, even the Warriors struggle to do that, and they're the team that's probably at the forefront of it. The Celtics were so – their sets were so intricate and so – They they
0: play slow, too. Like, that's the other thing. So, like, teams with higher pace tend to play – Better or more efficient offensive play, like pace, is yeah. correlated with offensive efficiency because it leads to more transition opportunities. Yeah. In I Boston, yeah, yeah. well, it's yeah, it yeah, just yeah. naturally like it is. It oh, naturally, yeah, it is. Um, Sorry, I thought
1: you meant it in the reverse, and I go, well, that doesn't seem right. Well, no, no it, I pace and
0: I yeah, pace and offensive efficiency are correlated. If pace yeah. goes down, offensive efficiency goes down. It's just you make it up on the defensive end. Defensive efficiency tends to go up right. because you yeah. reduce. Uh, transition opportunities and that's exactly right what you said like in terms of their offensive sets being clean and crisp they tended to be totally fine in that regard when Kyrie was healthy last year at least yeah no Uh, it's it's not there yet
1: well let's also say I I don't Kyrie is a really good off ball player and in fact probably his best the best he played in Cleveland was when they would play, play him off ball and play him as a two and they would run floppy action for him time and time and time and time and time again. I'm not seeing a lot of that, which I don't know if that's Kyrie's call or if it's Stevens's call. Certainly they have the ball handlers on this team to take on that load and allow Kyrie to play off ball more. Um, I I would like to see this team maybe, now that we're sort of just in the experimental phase of how do we fix this, let's see what some pace will do for these guys. Let's go with the small ball lineup with Morris at the five and and just say defense be damned for a bit and go with jalen and tatum and and i don't know uh, smart and and Kyrie and and morris and just run and just go um maybe that would unstick some things and get this team's groove back because honestly i think this is more of a psychological thing now than anything else they they don't know who they are and they don't know how to get there either um this is effectively a new team um, yeah i was gonna say like i don't
0: even know if it's psychological i think it's just like it's still a new team
1: That's a psychological thing. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense.
1: Um, There's no comfortability on this squad yet. And I don't necessarily think that the players, that this team is built to develop that comfortability. Just you think about the, the kind of, strange brew that this roster is made up from. They have two backup ones that are good enough to be starters in the league and and smart if we're considering him still a one, which he really isn't. He's just sort of a utility man. Uh, And and
0: Marcus Smart is basically like basketball's version of Ben Zobrist.
1: Totally. He's he's the war machine. Um, What would be the basketball equivalent of that? Windshare machine? Not as fun. Um, (laughs) Like you have Kyrie, who's, if we're being totally honest, is probably... Better as a two. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but like it is a one that had a lot of two tendencies. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know if he's better as a one or a two. I just think he's, you know. He's an he's...
1: offensive weapon and you want to be able to interchange it more. I don't see that interchange yep. right now. Uh, And and when him and Rozier would play last year, this is just off the top of my head again, the numbers might not bear it out, but it seemed like things worked a little bit better because Rozier is a really nice, interesting balance of Rozier will be a pass first guy, but he'll also get hit and he'll get to the hoop. And he's kind of a boiled down version of what Kyrie is. And so you play him and Kyrie at the same time, that really created a lot of issues for the defense because both of them were capable of doing anything at any time. That's, I mean, that's the value in the modern NBA as an offense just threat and this team right now doesn't have doesn't feel like it's maximizing its threat potential because Tatum kind of just wants to be a spot-up shooter mid-range guy Um, Jalen Jalen I think has figured out his role a little bit better but he's not efficient yet which makes it dangerous Horford is always going to be Horford and solid and um, unspectacular to the casual fan um, particularly on the offensive side of things I would like to see them run with a little bit more pace and verve Uh, And just maybe speed it up a little bit and see what happens. And maybe that unclogs some stuff or maybe that helps guys just sort of free their minds from the situation. Because right now, again, it's a lot of guys who are trying to make it work and they don't really know what they're supposed to be on this team yet. Really, the one guy I know who knows what he's supposed to be on this team is the guy who isn't being all that efficient. I think Jalen Brown knows exactly what he's supposed to be, just not doing a very yeah, good Yeah,
0: well, I think Kyrie knows what he's supposed to be. It's just like fitting in with everyone else because Kyrie is the guy that you make it work around, right? And I don't know if
1: Kyrie know, thinks, knows what he needs to be. I think that he certainly has an understanding of the options available to him, but I, I don't know. I mean, again, he can do so many different things. It's hard to figure it out. This is a really complex jigsaw puzzle when you yeah. have players this versatile um, because you need to find just one combination that works in the, what is, whatever the, um, what was the, uh, in like the Da Vinci code, when you had the, you had to like make the word on the vial the,
0: the codex. The is codex. That, is that right? what it is? Right. The, the word it's, apple in codex, in the codex?
1: You're very good at this stuff. Thank you for helping me out there. Cause I was, what? I was flailing like the Celtics offense, but. Oh, like, the, they need to know, they, they have not figured out just one combination to unlock it. And there's a hundred different, but they just need to find one and then things will flow because then they can at least go back to the base. But right now with, Ty, with 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 Irving being able to be both a two and a one, and he can be a penetrating point guard. He can be a guy who just spots up and shoots and lets somebody else do it. They, you got Tatum and all of the complexities of a young player trying to find his stardom which is what his potential is, and developing into that while we'll also wanting to be a solid role player. You got Morris, who I think probably actually what he is. The more I think about it, uh, he's a chucker. But you know, in Horford, who's always going to want to put the team over himself.
0: And goddamn uh, it, Horford knows what he is, and Marcus Smart knows who he is too.
1: Right, they're pretty much the polar opposite. But there's just it's, there's a lot of complexity to this team, and I don't know if it will ever get figured out.
0: Right. <laughs> I think it will. Um, I mean, listen. Brad Stevens is the coach, and they have a lot of unselfish players on that team. They'll figure it out. I'm like, that's where I'm at. Like, it's it's going to be fine. It's just whether or not they're the one seed or the four seed.
1: I don't know if I can share your complete optimism because while I don't think it's going to turn toxic and i don't think that it's a i don't think that it's an inherently bad situation some things just some combinations of dudes are never meant to be figured out and
0: just from a skill perspective totally agree with that i think that's reasonable
1: maybe this is i mean listen listen if if i'm betting on it right now absolutely like they're they're close or i don't know if they're close they were close at some points and it's like yeah they could definitely get over the top there like it's it's you can see it you can see it i don't i don't know though I mean, there's a lot of enigmatic dudes on this squad, and I wouldn't be shocked in another month or so if they just do something to shake shit up.
0: Maybe. Wouldn't be crazy. Danny Ainge is, you know, someone who's willing to do that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the West. You wanted to talk about the West. Um, Well, the West is crazy, man. The West is just... Like Like, I was talking to Tony Jones about this last week and like Utah started like shit, but like they haven't really lost any ground.
1: No, no. There's, I mean, it's, it's legitimately hilarious that the Clippers are the number one seed in the Western Conference. It is pretty funny.
0: The Clippers are the one seed.
1: Are they like markedly better than the Utah Jazz who are the second to worst team in the Western Conference?
0: No, I I would say that they're not. No. I mean,
1: it's the it's the Warriors with everybody and maybe even the Warriors without everyone because now it seems like Durant has decided that he's going to be the dude again, uh, just in time for staff to come back and then. Just a bunch of eight seed. <laughs> it's, it's really, I mean, it's it's really fast. It's like the NFL. When you look at the NFL and you're like, how are the Cleveland Browns still in this? And then you're like, how the hell? Like Minnesota's 10 and 11. They're playing interesting ball. Uh, Cat has been freed. Like the Mavs are nine and nine. San Antonio's 10 and 10. Sacramento's 10 and 10. Lakers are 11 and nine. Like Portland, it's just, it's really good. Cause any night, anyone can win. It always creates interesting matchups. It's like the playoffs to a certain degree without the intensity, like every night. Because so- you're not getting loppy Shit.
0: so we're a quarter of the way through the season who are your eight western conference playoff teams
1: uh the warriors
0: yep <laughs> uh
1: i would put oklahoma city in there yes oklahoma city and houston i will put in i think houston has just too much star power to not make it i don't know if they're gonna be high but they're gonna make it sure um i would put
0: in portland yeah.
1: Yes, I would put in Portland as well. I would I probably... put in
0: Portland? I think I would put in Portland.
1: I will put in Denver. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: I... yeah. We we should feel really good about Denver. No but question.
1: I'm not, well, no, I I don't feel great about.
0: Well, but they're fourteen and seven already. They have a net rating of eight. Like if we're building a playoffs from the West, we should feel pretty good about Denver.
1: Well, the point that I don't feel great about Denver. And the fact that all of that is true indicates how tight the Western conference is. Right. Yeah. Like that defense is going to regress. It's happening. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I think it to be more than a little bit, but, uh, And they're still going to be good offensively, but like that is a 500 basketball team. There are so many 500 basketball teams in the Western Conference that it's really hard. Okay. So let's just, let's, let's go. So once one one seed is Golden State, I'll go two seed Oklahoma City because fuck, no one else is showing up. Um, Three seed. I think
0: Denver would be my third right now that I feel most confident in.
1: I feel better about Portland as the three than Denver, but I understand Denver is the four. Do you have Portland as a four? I would have Portland low. I guess it can't can't be. Um, Like, I don't feel great about the Clippers. And I love, uh, like, here's the better question. Is Utah a playoff?
0: Yes. I think Utah gets in. Utah, Utah's schedule, they have 22 of their, or 21 of their first 33 on the road. And they have 16 of their first 24 on the road. So like, I think that once they get home and they get a yeah. chance to kind of settle down with the schedule, they'll be fine.
1: Okay. Is New Orleans a playoff?
0: I think I would say no.
1: I I'm pocket, so yes, they are. Um,
0: <laughs> so so I give think- me your just give me your eight and then we'll, well, it's hard, we'll go from man. There.
1: There's a lot of teams here. It's hard for my little brain to get get <laughs> around. Um, eight teams. Golden State, yep, Denver, Oklahoma yep. City. Yep. Portland. Yep. Houston.
0: Yep. Memphis. Okay. Did I say the Clippers? You did not. Clippers. Okay. Shit. You're you're, de- you're like you're making either Lakers fans or Jazz fans very angry.
1: Yeah. Or I'm or I'm going against my beloved Pellys.
0: Or the Pelicans. Yeah. Or Kings fans. Kings fans are about to be furious. Shit. Um. Spurs too. You don't even have the Spurs in. Jazz. Okay. So that's I eight.
1: Like it. I don't like it. I don't like
0: I it. I would go. I would go. Golden State denver
1: okay
0: houston
1: Fair. by but, the way houston who right now is is third to last in the conference right.
0: would be third at the end of it which
1: is in every mean every way totally
0: the lakers i would put in still
1: sure i, can, I honestly can't argue with it as the four seed
0: probably not the four but i would put them in
1: okay. I mean, again no, no reason to say the lakers couldn't they have lebron fucking james
0: i would put in the jazz
1: Okay, for all the reasons that you said and convinced me of.
0: Yeah, so that's five. I would put in Memphis, six, Portland, seven.
1: Okay. Where the cl- Where's the clip show? Who's that eight? Who's that eight, baby?
0: Because what? Sacramento, it's
1: Sacramento, clip show, uh, San Antonio.
0: So what, it's the Clippers, San Antonio, or the Pelicans?
1: Or the Pelis, or, or, or Sweet Luca.
0: I think I would go with... I think I'm going to go with San Antonio as the eight. Okay. So none of New Orleans, the Clippers... Or, the Clippers
1: are the number one seed in the Western Conference right now at the, at the quarter point.
0: Yeah. Um, the reason that I say no to the Clippers is that I think at some point they're going to make deals to set themselves up long term and kind that of break, the, break up this like core yeah. that they have right now.
1: This nine man core that's completely interchangeable.
0: Right. I think at some point they're going to do that. Okay. And you're going to saying
1: they're going to move Danilo or something.
0: May, maybe that. Maybe you know. Maybe you try and get something long term for Tobias. Maybe you try and get something for Avery Bradley oh. or Patrick Beverly or you know maybe yeah. a team wants that, to rent Gortat like stuff extreme, like that. You know.
1: Extremely fair, but it, it gets difficult when you're there because what what is a better argument for long term success? For this team, hey, we were the three seed in the West. Kevin Durant, Uh, yeah, we're right there. We're right there. We all talk about the West, but
0: it's going to be an entirely new team next year, anyway.
1: Entirely, but yes, I understand
0: what you're saying. Yeah, so like, like all of these guys are free agents, is what I'm saying. They are, and to sign Kevin Durant and another max, they have to renounce all of those guys. So if those guys sign, it's an entirely new team.
1: This year is um, merely the Clippers proving that the front office and Doc are capable.
0: Yes, I think that's true. I think that's exactly what it is. Well,
1: they're doing a damn good job.
0: Yes. They're, they're very good. They're very, very good. Who
1: would Who would have thought bringing in Jerry West to oversee everything would result in success? I mean, it's only happened, I don't know, four times now.
0: I, I still think Lawrence is overseeing everything. Oh,
1: no, totally. But, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying Jerry West is handling everything. But when Jerry West comes in and is just like, yes, no, yes. And, like, Lawrence is already a really smart guy. He has full control now. He's brought in a bunch of other smart guys. I don't know what Lee Jenkins does there, but he's a smart guy. Um, like, the Clippers... The Clippers, it makes perfect sense. The Clippers need to prove this year that they are not the Clippers, or not the Clippers that everyone knew them as. And um, I don't know. They still have to. They still have to get the job done. They still have to get the name on 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 the line with either Kawhi or Durant or somebody else. But doing a hell of a job. Doing a hell of a job.
0: Let's do things that we like. Let's finish with that. You give me your thing that you like first.
1: Um. I love the marriage between Kawhi Leonard and New Balance. I think it is um, just absolutely perfect. This is uh, function over style. This is, I, I don't know, man. What, have, you, what, have you worn New Balance recently?
0: No, have, because Adidas has made them, like, useless because of Boost.
1: I don't know, man. I have, I have some I have some Nike Reacts. I have a pair of Boosts. And I have, like, old man chunky New Balances. And let me tell you which the most comfy shoes of those three are. Those fucking New Balances. Um, you
0: know gonna, what? You need I'm... chunky shoes. You are a big human being. That is fair.
1: <laughs> Thank you for not uh, correlating the uh, adjective there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, didn't
0: give a, I didn't give anything. any other information. You are a large human being, and you need big shoes. I understand
1: that. As a chunky boy. uh, Like, first off, first off. Hashtag uh, low-key thick. (laughs) It's high-key. It's all around here. Uh, It's the highest of high. Lower body, thin as a rail. Um, It's, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's just so goddamn perfect that, and and, like, I'm the last guy you should take fashion advice from, but like, low-key, New Balance makes some decent shoes. Not just in function, but like also in style. Like I'm actually really excited by this. I'm really excited as Kawhi Leonard, either the future face of the Raptors or the future face of the Clippers, uh, just rocking out in new balances. And a bunch of other dudes who only shoot sex shots, just ruining you in church league wearing them. Very excited. I know Matt Bonner is excited. Let's do this thing.
0: Well, Gordon, hayward, Gordon Hayward's Gordon hayward got a teammate now. Gordon Hayward's on now. We got we to get Brad Davison on that New Balance kid. <laughs> Brad Davison. He's a coach's kid. He's a former football player. Yeah. He's so gritty and tough. He takes charges. Can you think of anything sexier for New Balance than a commercial of white dudes taking charges? I can't um just a clip maybe, just, a, just a 30 maybe, second clip of white dudes taking charges that's where i'm at with new white, balance. It's not
1: even the white just like team taking a charge like kyle <laughs> lowry needs to get in on this um like okay you're who would you put together you have Kawhi, who um uh, has spoken 50 words in the last 10 years you have function uh, over gordon, style you have gordon hayward yeah. who, uh, who I, I can understand why he would maybe want to change shoe company uh and uh Let's we won't discuss the haircut, but we all know what it looks like. Uh, who are the other three members of team New Balance? If you have to roll out, because remember, Puma rolled out with Bagley and DeMarcus Cousins and uh, Ayton. Like they had, a, yeah, I think, Rozier. Uh, they, they wanted to put together a really good five man group. Who is the five man group? Team New Balance. They're coming back in.
0: Kyle Korver.
1: uh Oh, come on. Come on. No, think about it. Think about it in, in true, true basketball sense. Who are your least flashy, excellent players? Because Kyle Korver, uh, Kyle Korver doesn't do anything for anybody.
0: Let's see. Kyle Korver. Probably, probably not Kyle Korver. We're talking like just sheer, like substance over style.
1: A hundred percent. Guys, guys who definitely have orthotics in their shoes. <laughs>
0: I, I would say that Kyle Lowry is a really good one. Big high Kyle Kyle Lowry for sure is on Kyle this Lowry. list. Um Okay, we well now we need two big men. We need two big. Well, we have Kyle, we have Kawhi, we have is Gordon Hayward on? is that the third? Yeah, is yeah, that what he's we're third. saying?
1: He, yeah, he's on he's on team New Balance. I'm saying we're rolling it out. And you have to say what is t- what is New Balance basketball? A New Balance basketball is uh uh seen but not play. Clay. Clay. <laughs> Bring Clay in from Anta. One thousand percent, great move. Um, and then, who who is our who's you, our big? Now you need a five seen, but not heard.
0: Who is our big? Oh, that's a good question. Um,
1: you want to leave it out for the audience?
0: Maybe. I mean, like,
1: I, I want to, I want to see like Al Horford. Out. Al Horford's good. Al Horford's real good. I want to hear everyone's with 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 the two guys that we have locked in and knowing it's it's. it's I
0: don't uh, even know is Gordon Hayward signed by New Balance? I know that like they pretty, were talking about it.
1: Let's just presume he will because. Again, uh, seen but not heard. We never, we never got the final confirmation, but we presume it happened. Um,
0: yeah, it, it says like he, he's close to a new sneaker deal with New Balance, but like no, no one, no one actually has like a official he signed with New Balance.
1: Thing. So my again. The, the, the challenge goes out to anyone listening. put together it, it's got to be at least theoretically feasible as a as an actual five man unit. Um, the ultimate new balance team with the two two conscriptions being uh, substance over style and seen but not heard.
0: And Brad Davison being in the commercial taking charges, <laughs> probably. That's all I want. Uh, the thing that I like this week, uh, Alonzo Trier deserves so much more hype than what he's getting right now. Uh, he's averaging 12 points a game for the Knicks shooting 50% from the field, 46% from three, 81% from the line. The three point number is probably going to come down, but he's always been a remarkably efficient player. And I love Alonzo Trier. Like I've, I'm not going to say like, I know the dude, but like I've talked to him, you know, four or five times throughout the course of his college career. Um, you know, just either one on one or like in a very, very small scrum. So like he knows like, you know, what's what's going on and all that yeah. stuff. Um, he is like, first and foremost, like he's one of my favorite college athletes I've gotten a chance to cover in the last probably five years, I guess, since I've been doing this, because he is super, super smart. Uh he has like this he has this like reputation that I think is bullshit that like he's not this smart dude because he got suspended and all this stuff. It's Totally wrong. He's a really, really smart kid. Um, he's like the only college basketball player who's ever quoted his true shooting percentage to me. Um, yeah. Like he, he, like just knew it off the top of his head. It was insane. Um, he is. That's all.
1: That's all you need to do to be smart in Sam Bassini's book.
0: But like he, he is super cognizant of what his game is. He's an incredibly yeah. hard worker. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk to anyone around the league, you talk to him. Like he's constantly in the gym. Like genuinely wants to be a NBA basketball player like more than any player that was drafted in 2018 and I had him as like a top 50 prospect in the draft I thought he should have been drafted and he ends up going undrafted signs a two-way deal with the Knicks and he's going to be in for a big payday this summer and it's super cool it's super exciting um he is he's like it's it's hard to say like it's not that he's like not nice like he's been incredibly nice to me every time that I've talked to him but he's one of those dudes who like carries chips on his shoulder and will tell you that he carries chips on his shoulder. Cause he like, he seems like one of those dudes who like reads a lot of what's out there about him. And I like the fact that he utilizes those chips in such a strong way and like takes them as motivation, but doesn't go like over the top with it either. Like he'll just make these like sarcastic, like snide comments about it. And It's just fun to me that way. I enjoy everything about Alonzo Trier being a successful NBA basketball player. He dropped like 24, 10 and seven last night too. So good for Alonzo Trier. How,
1: how does this how does this play out with Alonzo Trier? Because obviously he's been one of the few good things that's happened to the Knicks over I don't know the last ten years. Um, but as you said, he's in for a payday. How, how do you see this panning out? Because I think we can all fairly confidently say that this is not a flash in the pan. This guy's had this talent the entire time, and it, it's translating to the NBA level early.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know how it's all going to play out. Like I. I wonder if the Knicks like consider signing him, like yeah. considering trying to sign him like long term right now. Yeah. Um, once his two way contract runs out, my guess is that he probably just gets converted like to a standard player contract for one year. Mm-hmm. And you're saying this year or next year? This year. Yeah you, um, you, you,
1: you, yeah. you get rid of you you guarantee the deal for the
0: full year because well, you're yeah, gonna he, have a hard he,
1: time. You have to send him back at a certain point.
0: Well, yeah, his his two-way deal is slowly but surely running out. So like
1: Yeah, I think he get like 45 days or something. It's not,
0: yeah. it's not a lot. Uh, so at some point they're gonna have to make a call on all of this. There I think that if I well, if I was his agent, which I'm not, like I would basically say no to any contract that gets put in front of me right now. Okay. And as long as it's not like, oh, the Knicks are offering $10 million a year. That'd be crazy pants. But, like, if yeah. it's not, like, an over-the-top offer, <laughs> I he's would... Not getting
1: Tim Hardway money. Oh,
0: God. Um, if he's not, like, getting, like, way over-the-top paid, I would decline it. I would allow the Knicks to just convert it into a standard player contract and then hit the market this summer and see where it goes. Like, he'll be a restricted free agent this summer, but the Knicks want to sign a max player, and if he gets what like let's say he gets four years thirty thirty million 30 million or something i don't know if they're going to match that so like no. we'll see i i like the fact that he's good though i like the fact that he's playing well and i like him as a dude because he is a smart dude who doesn't take shit and can come back at you and like actually combat what you're saying with facts and intelligence
1: I thought it was interesting in the preseason when we were talking about the Knicks, which was a painful exercise for both of us, where I'm like, oh, Alonzo Trier's good. And you're like, oh, I'm not so sure.
0: Well, was not, Trier's going to play, sure be
1: good, but you know, feet, that he would get a chance. But like that Knicks team sucks so much. Like I thought it was pretty certain he was going to get a chance. And it's it's great that he's making the most of it. He's He looks he looks the part
0: for sure. Yeah, like he looks like a real NBA player. And I'm super happy about that. Yeah, like I wasn't sure whether or not he'd get a chance with the Knicks. Like I guess at some point I thought he would, but like there there were some real like athletic translation concerns with him in arizona um he like he's a guy that has like a 40 inch vertical leap but he doesn't always show it um okay like in half court settings and stuff uh super efficient feet super efficient uh pull-up jumper uh you know can get separation going backward but didn't always necessarily get separation going forward uh Mm -hmm. to try and score at the basket so yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited that he has kind of figured all of this out and figured out how to do it. And he's a player that I think the increased space of the NBA floor has really, really helped his game.
1: Thousand percent on that. Big big ups to Alonzo True. Keep it up.
0: We're all we're all about Alonzo True. We're all about positive thoughts here on the Game Theory Podcast. I haven't watched any bad movies recently. I haven't watched... Uh, I'm. You know what? I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. You're a great British Baking Show fan. I'm kind of in on Prue and uh, Noel and yeah. the Sandy. Like I'm I'm kind of in on them a little bit now after watching. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're good. I mean, I don't know if they're as good, um, but they're, they're not. They're not
0: they're Mel not. and Sue and Mary Berry, but like they're fine. It's totally there's,
1: cool. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, yeah. That's just Brits being Brits. Uh, did you have you watched the final table?
0: No. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Is it?
1: Yeah. I'm excited. I I am all in on Netflix, just reverse engineering every single good thing. Oh, yeah. And like putting like the Netflix pretense on it.
0: Just make Food Network except on Netflix. Like I will watch it all the time.
1: Like I'm really looking forward to Netflix Property Brothers and uh, Netflix Buy or Sell, like HGTV and Food Network. Like who is Netflix's main? Most guys watch sports. There's a whole other market out there. And what are they watching? They're usually watching Food Network and HGTV.
0: Yep. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm, or there's the intersection, which is me, watching Food oh, Network yeah, no, and no. food shows constantly. Yeah.
1: Men in relationships. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Dieter, tell the people where they can find your work.
1: Uh, if I don't die in the next, like, 48 hours from this cold. Um,
0: Fuck that baby. Cold. Contact.
1: <laughs> um, she's cute, though, so she gets away with it. This is... This... <laughs> The plight of man. Um, uh, San Jose Mercury News, at D. DKurtenbach, K-U-R-T-E-N-B-A-C-H on Twitter.
0: This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Android, wherever you listen to good podcasting content or at least somewhat valuable podcasting content uh you know find (laughs) us on there subscribe rate and review uh do everything you can to support the show it really helps us uh, move up in the ratings if you leave us a rating if you leave us a review uh i think that's about all i got i'll be back at some point later this week we'll talk nba draft again with chris stone but until next time we will talk soon bye